a U.S. airman commits self-immolation in front of the Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C. over the weekend in protest of the war in Gaza. We quickly look at that, but then analyze a fascinating response from two major sources. Joy Reid goes on an unhinged rant. That shouldn't shock you, but maybe what she says might do something to that. Axios produces another article dealing with their hatred of Christians. And the Michigan primary was held last night. We'll have the breaking news as to who won right after this. It's the Palmetto Family Matters Show. Welcome in. It's the Wednesday edition of the program. Wednesday, February 28th in the year of our Lord 2024. Justin Hall, Mitch Prosser here with you. We started our, you know, Christians should probably always start their morning in prayer, so a prayer breakfast really shouldn't change that. Uh, but uh, enjoyed being at the 62nd annual uh, prayer breakfast for the state of South Carolina. Heard from several lawmakers and uh, lieutenant governor and governor, as well as uh, Tobin Castles was the keynote speaker. Excellent speaker. Uh, this morning, so we really enjoyed that time and glad you're with us. By the way, I want to remind you that tomorrow is February 29th. Uh, you get this extra day every ding. four years. Yeah, that's a that's an anticipatory ding. Uh, you get this extra day every four years. So uh, go go do something you never do before, or you've never done before, and you never will again. You only live every four years. I have a very difficult transition now to you, make. Yo, you only live in Washington D.C. over the weekend. An active duty member of the U.S. Air Force Speaking died. Of things that you only do once. Sorry. I was avoiding that one. Uh, well, this U.S. Air, airman has died after he set himself ablaze outside the Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C., declaring that he will, quote, no longer be complicit in genocide. The 25-year-old airman named Aaron Bushnell of San Antonio, Texas, died from his injuries. That's the least shocking part of this report. He walked up to the embassy shortly before 1 p.m. Sunday and began live-streaming on the video streaming platform Twitch, a person familiar with the situation told the AP. Is that a gaming platform? Sort of. Wow. Uh, you can you can live-stream on there while you're playing your games. Law enforcement officials believed he set his phone down and then doused himself in accelerant and ignited the flames. At one point, he said he will no longer be complicit in genocide. The video was later removed from the platform, but law enforcement officials have obtained and reviewed a copy. Um... There were really no other threats to anybody else around. The Air Force said that Bushnell was a cyber defense operations specialist with the 531st Intelligence Support Squadron at Joint Base San Antonio, and he has been on active duty since May of 2020. And we, along with Colonel Selena Noyes, the uh, commander of the 70th Intelligence Surveillance and Reconnaissance Wing, uh, I echo what she said when we extend our deepest sympathies to the family and friends of yeah. the senior airmen. Um, what he did is wrong. I don't think you should do that. I don't, I don't think you should immolate yourself in any way, shape, or form. And I think it's important to note that we have a problem when people idolize and try to make this sort of a banner of a good thing. I'm going to read two tweets for you. The first one is from our friend, your friend, 
Cornell West. Cornell West is running for president, in case you weren't aware. Uh, he's a Harvard professor, kooky For those of leftist. you out there like, oh, Alan West, I love Alan. No, no not Alan not West. Alan West, Cornell Cur- West. Cornell, not Colonel Allen. He Cornell. tweeted a picture of the airman um, and said, let us never forget the extraordinary courage and commitment of Brother Aaron Bushnell, who died for truth and justice. I pray for his precious loved ones. Let us rededicate ourselves to genuine solidarity with Palestinians undergoing genocidal attacks in real time. Okay, a couple of different things. Number one, the Israelis aren't committing genocide. Genocide was committed on October 7th when Hamas terrorists killed Jews just for being Jews. Fair? Fair. Also, why are we immortalizing an action such as this? One that is... I'll say it's self-aggrandizing, but also so brutally wrong to do to your person. Almost as if we're encouraging others to do the same. Now, I'm not saying that's what Cornell here no, is doing, but you know that's the same kind of thing we hear when um, certain people mm-hmm. of certain faiths... Um, go into crowded markets in and push the button uh, yeah uh, then isis or the taliban or whoever encouraged them to do so and paid their money uh, paid their family a little bit of money oh we're so grateful for our brother he did this thank you it's vaguely similar it wasn't just cornell west eerily similar um today at uh, this morning actually the Ayatollah Khomeini, <laughs> who has a Twitter account, by the way. See? Oh, yeah. Let he's it be on known Twitter. That he's on Twitter, but Donald Trump was banned from Twitter. He said, quote, The genocide in Gaza is even too much for that young person who was brought up in the Western culture. His conscience was hurting, and he set himself on fire. <sighs> if you find yourself agreeing with the Ayatollah of Iran, maybe. In the words you're of John Chris, side. check your heart. Check your heart. Just check your heart. Maybe you're not on the right spot. Time, that didn't leave a lot of room, but Time Magazine certainly jumped oh, in there. Thank goodness. They had an article yesterday. The practice of self-immolation dates back centuries. According to ancient Hindu tales of Sati, the wife of a Hindu god who got married without her father's approval. I didn't know gods needed approval. Some retellings of her life say that Sati burned herself to death on her husband's funeral pyre. I thought they were gods. And are used as justification for the practice of ritual suicide that has long been banned in India. Here's here's your line. Self-immolation, setting yourself on fire, was also seen as a sacrificial act committed by Christian devotees who chose to be burned alive when they were being persecuted for their religion by Roman Emperor Diocletian around 300 AD. That's not... Do we... Do, does anyone anywhere know anything anymore? We already have our woman saying on, on MSNBC saying that Christian nationalists believe that rights come from God. That's well, every Christian ever. And now I've got Time Magazine saying that Christian devotees... Christians. By the way, I don't think you would ever read an article where it said Muslim devotees. Or it would say Jewish devotees. They'd call them extremists or, yeah. Christian devotees in the year 300 AD. Let me explain something to you. The Christians in ancient Rome 
specifically as the New Testament, you know, canon is being put, being written and would later be put together. And you know what? I don't believe they volunteered. They didn't say no. They were persecuted for their faith. However, they didn't set themselves on fire. No, excuse me. They didn't dip themselves in oil, set themselves on fire, and set themselves on torches to then light Nero's outdoor parties. Correct. This isn't something that Christians do. By the way, uh, the law, God's law, prohibits this. You will not cause your sons or daughters to pass through the fire. Hmm. Now, now God is specifically talking there about the god Moloch, who, well, again, the people, the pagans, would sacrifice mm-hmm. their children on the altar of Moloch anyway. Uh, but that goes a little bit further, and I think they can be taken here. Christians never self-immolated. And what we need to understand about actions like these, this isn't courageous. This is, this is some, This was a young man who was deeply troubled and deeply troubled by a conflict that, by and large, really doesn't affect him very much. And he chose the most drastic of paths... And he ended his life. I don't think that's something. I don't think that's something to to celebrate. I don't think that a young man setting himself ablaze, a young a young military member setting himself ablaze outside of a, a outside of an embassy, is necessarily something that we can look upon and say, you know what, that is a virtuous thing to do. I agree, and I will say this: one of the laws of leadership is that you praise what you want more of. So for here's looking at you, Cornell. Mm-hmm. Here's looking at you, Ayatollah Thank you, thank you for once again saying the quiet part out loud. That this is what you want more of. You want more young people mm-hmm. who are lost, confused, who yep. you've lied to, yep. to commit their life to your cause. Yes they want and if it's not committed to their cause then you can just self-immolate yourself right now we move on hard pivot joy reed it just keeps getting better ladies and gentlemen joy reed put out a video on the socials is she who 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 does she she's the evil race lady but is she on msnbc or cnn now msnbc no other news station would have her so she went from cnn to i don't think she was ever on cnn oh I think she's only been on. So MSNBC. she's always been on an illegitimate news network. Correct. I. That's what I would say. Yeah, I said it. Uh, here's here's Joy Reid. Just she's already unhinged, but this is she's she's now off a rocker. Population of the United States has a population of north of 327 million people. Why do we need more kids? I mean, your party. Senator Tuberville is the one screaming that 10 million immigrants, which I don't even know that that number even makes any sense because it doesn't, um, have streamed into the country since Joe Biden has been president. And you're claiming that that's too many people, that if more people come into the southern border, this is some sort of crisis because we, we've got too many people and we've got no more space and we can't afford more people. But now you're saying we need more kids? Can you explain who's the we and what's the purpose? 
you're also a senator from the state of Alabama. God help the people there. Are you saying the state of Alabama needs more kids? Why does the state of Alabama need more kids? More kids for what? There was a time when the state of Alabama absolutely needed more kids because, you know, Alabama was a slave state. And the mandate of the planter class in Alabama was for black women to produce more kids because those kids were property and they could work more kids and make more money on their plantations. Are you saying the state of Alabama needs more kids because you think that those populations will include people who are maybe destitute and desperate enough if you kick out the immigrants like a lot of y'all want to do and you could make them do the work that the migrants are doing now? Because that kind of sounds slavery-ish. Is the state of Alabama the we? And is, is, is that the why? I mean, you're also a white guy. Are you saying the we is white folks need more kids? Is this like a great replacement thing where you're concerned that there's not enough white people in the population versus the growth of the Latino population, the black population, the Asian American population? And so the we is white people need to make white women have more kids and that's the we and that's the why because it's a little creepy. A little handmaid's tale, don't you think? A little creepy. A little handmaid's tale, don't you think? Oh, um, Joy, stop while you're behind. That's a lot. Gracious. Let me. Yeah, I'm real gonna, quick. Real quick. Yeah. Why do leftists hate kids? You ever notice that that every every problem in society can be can be handled by not having more children? Um, she goes into a lot of different rabbit trails there. Uh, she talks about. Uh, the immigration crisis that you want more kids, but you don't want the immigrants to come here. Um, then, because he's from Alabama, by the way, I don't know Senator Tub- Tuberville as Senator Tuberville. I know him as Coach Tommy Tuberville from one of the greatest games of all time. Auburn beat Mississippi State 3-2 to two in 2007 on a Thursday night. Long live the SEC. Anyway, he's from the state of Alabama, yes. Alabama used to have slaves, yes. By the way, so did Maryland. So did New York. So did Pennsylvania. And if not for the United States of America and England being on the front end of abolishing slavery, Lord knows we might still have it. By the way, Joy, I don't hear you talking about the millions of people in slavery still. I don't hear you talking about that. Hey, Joy, if you want to talk about race issues, why don't you talk about the guy running for office over in Africa who is saying kill the white farmer? You want to talk about that a little bit? annoys me go ahead joys are marxist once again the quiet part out loud here this is pure evil the bible tells me oh here goes preacher boy again that children are a treasure from the lord our heritage our progeny is a blessing you don't need more kids because whatever she just said, the earth is overpopulated. You want to use them as your slaves. Um, you need more white people because of the great replacement theory. She just driveled on. I mean, I, I would use a popular expression for those of you out there that know it. You're saying it right now. It, it just doesn't stop. The Chinese, Justin, had this thing years ago where the abortion numbers in China have been so astronomically high 
once they found out that they could determine sex based on an ultrasound. The Chinese had a one-child policy for years because of what they perceived as overpopulation. If you don't know, the Chinese currently have nearly 2 billion people in their country. India, just over 1 billion. So nearly a third of the world's population is in those, or actually over a third of the world's population is in those two countries. The Chinese have since rescinded that. There has been a push from the left, from Marxist ideology, and I'm being brutally honest, pure evil for some time, to curb the population. Population control. Perhaps Miss Reed should consider the eugenics of Margaret Sanger, who learned what she did from those like Havelock Ellis. And who did he learn all of what he learned from? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked. He learned it from this guy who wrote a book called The Origin of Species. Yeah. Yeah. All of this goes back to, yes, Miss Reed, we do believe in replacing those that have died with those that will be alive. Not necessarily of a race, cause, or creed, but your Marxist, your Darwinian, your Mao-like, Stalin-like comments are not only alarming, and I invite you to come talk to me. I'd love to. Mitch at palmettofamily.org. We'll set up the interview, get a good cup of coffee or some lunch down the street at Greek Boys or something like that. It's evil. It is pure evil. And if you're just using children as a pawn to prove your point, shame. Uh, uh, shame. Um. On you. I've always said shame on Miss those Reed. who use children as pawns. Um, they they don't like children. They hate children. They they think children are, are an obstruction to their climate goals and children are, are an obstruction to their societal goals. And whether that's, um, you know, I don't know. I just... Sometimes, even when that happens, you got to call them out for it. Axios has another great report today. Thank poll, goodness. Poll... Poll shows most Americans cool to Christian nationalism as its influence grows. Um, percentage share who say they adhere to or sympathize with Christian nationalism. And again, take this for what it's worth. They say 30% of the U.S. overall, the, uh, the state of South Carolina currently sits at above 40%, as does Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Kentucky, West Virginia, Indiana, Nebraska, or no, excuse me, Iowa, North and South Dakota, Montana, and wow, wouldn't you know it, I forget that state right there, Wyoming. Those are the states that are above 40%. Now, about two-thirds of Americans reject or are skeptical of Christian nationalism. Some Republicans are open, openly expressing Christian nationalist views, which have ranged for calls for more religion in public schools... <laughs> To, ban, to book bans, and even suggestions that democracy should die. This I once, believe in the death of every democracy. This once, fringe, this once fringe ideology has become prevalent in some deeply red states at a time when the nation overall is increasingly diverse and less religious. And that's the problem. Government. If you're a Christian anarchist... Which I don't know how that's possible, but 
I've heard of some proclaiming themselves that way. You should just overthrow the government. You might be, maybe we should have a Jeff Foxworthy. You might be a Christian nationalist. If you, you know, pray. Yeah. If you pray, if you read your Bible, if you give money to Palmetto family, we encourage you to do so. You're not a Christian nationalist. If you believe children deserve a good, wholesome education, you're not a Christian nationalist. Reject the narrative. Please reject the narrative. <sighs> Republicans are twice as likely as independents to be favorable of Christian nationalism, whatever that means these days. Christian, here's, here's their definition. Christian nationalism is a set of beliefs centered around white American Christianity's dominance in most aspects of life in the United States. Many Christian nationalists believe the federal government should declare the United States a Christian nation. No, I, I, I don't think that needs to be done because I think it already is. Well, many, but, but many also, that could make you... Many also believe that U.S. laws should be based on Christian values. Yes, and that God has called Christians to exercise dominion over all areas of American society. Cut out American? Yes! Just, I said this with the Time Magazine thing. I wish somebody somewhere knew something. Just, can somebody somewhere be smart? No. Or at least, or at least well-versed in these things? Robert P. Jones, president and founder of PRRI, tells Axios, quote, it's really a claim for an ethno-religious state. And so there's nothing democratic about that worldview. Let me explain something to you. Let me explain something to you. Explain it to us. You're probably, if you're in your car or wherever you are, and you, you listen to this show as opposition research, welcome. And whatever your opposition is, I would love to have you on the show because I believe in dialogue. You're probably thinking, that's right. You want a theocracy. Eh. <laughs> Wouldn't be a bad thing. I mean, God's laws work for thousands of years already. What's the harm? The, the, I'll, I'll let you know a little secret. The way we're doing it's not working. Jones said that some Christian nationalists view political foes as evil or demonic rather than as fellow citizens with different opinions and see them as needing to be conquered. I mean, conquered how? Tom Parker Chief Justice of Alabama Supreme Court recently quoted the book of Genesis, the Ten Commandments, and Christian theologians in the court's recent opinion that said embryos fertilized through in vitro fertilization should be considered children. Well, I mean, that's true. On a podcast after the Alabama ruling, uh, Chief Justice Parker repeated the tenets of the Seven Mountains Mandate, a belief system rooted in Christian nationalism, and said that U.S. law should be rooted in the Bible. That's because it already is. Ten Commandments. Where were they? Some atheist just found those lying in the sand somewhere. Uh, well, I want to say so much more. Uh, okay, here's how I'll wrap up. My, If you're not at the table, you'll be on it. <laughs> this is a push. What they're trying to do is drag every Christian away from the table. Public dialogue. Discourse. Policy making, they're trying to drag you away from the table and your chair kicking and screaming. Well, they duct tape you and tell you to be quiet. Hey, shut your mouth. You don't have a voice here. 
don't don't let them do it. Your voice matters. Stay at the table. Stay engaged. Stay in the battlefield, or you will be on the table, and they will eat you alive. It's it's spiritual warfare. Last night there was a primary in Michigan. Was it? I'm breaking news for you. The winner of the Republican primary in Michigan was Nikki Donald Haley? Trump. No, <laughs> gosh, no, Donald Trump. Uh, wait, wait. Donald Trump won the Michigan Republican primary. She lost. By 42 points, 42 percentage points. Uncommitted came in third, Ron DeSantis fourth, and the Chris Assants finished fifth. Asa Hutchinson got over 1,000 votes. In the Democratic primary, Joe Biden won, as he should, right, 81%. And what's up with this super... What's up with the number of delegates that Democrats give each other? Hey, yeah. Wild man. So I want I want to see something though because this will be one of the first states where we've had a tandem primary. Mm-hmm. How many total votes were there on the Democratic side in the state of Michigan? Oh gosh, you're gonna make me do quick math here. Uh, seven hundred eight, seven hundred nineteen, seven hundred thirty-one, seven hundred fifty-one thousand votes. Okay. Donald Trump won with seven hundred fifty-six thousand votes. He beat. He Joe beat Biden, Nick- even with Nikki Haley dragging his ankle to the finish line, he beat he beat Nikki Haley with seven hundred fifty six thousand eight hundred fifty one votes. Nikki got almost three hundred thousand. So she would have over a million Republicans voted in the Michigan primary. What is, is that? Wh- right, so we've talked about this a little bit. Is that disenfranchisement from the Democratic Party because they, they he doesn't have a challenger? He had a challenger last night, Mitch. And that challenger was named Uncommitted. Yeah. 101,000 votes of protest. Really? That voted Uncommitted in the election. Well, that's almost as bad as Nikki Haley in Nevada. Now, to be fair, now, to be fair, even if all of those that voted Uncommitted would have voted for Joe Biden, he still would not have matched Donald Trump's vote total that won in the same state on the same day. Michigan's an important state. Michigan is, this is the first real swing state. That we've seen in a primary. Yes. We'll see the rest of yep. them on Super Tuesday, which I'm told Nikki Haley will still be participating in. <clears throat> we'll wait and see. So we're going to... This is the first of those. Donald Trump won Michigan in 2016 by 11,000 votes, and Joe Biden supposedly won in 2020 with like 150,000 vote differential. So the problem for Joe, amongst many, is that uncommitted finished second. Um, because a movement began to persuade Democrats to vote uncommitted three weeks ago. It's happening. Put pressure on Biden to call for an unconditional ceasefire because Michigan is home to the largest Arab-American population in the United States, specifically in Dearborn. White House officials, top White House officials, told Arab-American leaders in Dearborn that, quote, they had regrets over how the administration responded to the Israel-Gaza crisis. Mr. Biden has, uh-huh. since that moment, called the military action by Israel over the top. And on the eve of the primary, he said he hoped there, there would be a ceasefire agreement within within a week. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. B.B. Netanyahu ain't doing that. I, I think you got a better chance of bombing Iranian oil fields before there's a ceasefire Correct. in a week. Correct. Not saying I think that's the... <clears throat> This That's is, next up. This but. is from, from the New York Times. They said one problem that we're seeing here is that both frontrunners have clear vulnerabilities. No kidding. Yeah. Never. All right. The most politically charged, the most 
politically obvious vulnerability that they both have? They're both laying ducks on day one. Carl Rove, former top strategist for George W. Bush, said that the uh, saving grace for either Biden or Trump is that, quote, only one of them can lose. <laughs> giant Carl Rove's pitch for uh, 2024 is giant meteor 2024. If they could only both lose. Right. There's there's a real sense here that uh, listen, I don't know what this is going to do. I don't I don't this primary changed nothing for me, obviously. I forgot it was even going on. I think what this does show is that we're in a situation where the two people running for the office of president of the United States representing the two largest parties in the state in the United States of America are locked in a heated <clears throat> excuse me heated battle and a new general election poll in Arizona today just dropped that shows Trump leading Biden in a Rasmussen poll by 7 percentage points and if i'm looking at this 270 to win number with 66 swing votes in play. So that's Nevada, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. Republic, the Republican nominee would have 246 and the Democrat would have 226. The election last time in 2020 wasn't exactly a landslide for Joe Biden. Looking back on the 2016 race, that looked to be more like a slapping around by Donald Trump than at first glance. This one, I believe, will be just as close. So we'll continue to monitor that. We've got Senator Greg Hembree joining us on the program on Friday. We're looking forward to that, talking a little bit about um, S-423 and the Compassionate Care Act as it heads over to the House of Representatives. We will be sitting in the Senate Medical Affairs Committee hearing tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. as they go through the process in full committee on the Help Not Harm bill that has made its way to their desks. So we will keep you updated on that. And, of course, we'll have the show for you on Friday as well. If you want more information about Palmetto Family, palmettofamily.org. If you want to invest in the work that we're doing, you can click on that Invest button up there at the top. If you want to enroll in our email newsletter list, you can do that down at the very bottom of the page. And if you click on the Media tab, you can listen to every single show ever produced on these great airwaves. Until Friday... For Mitch Prosser, I'm Justin Hall. This has been the fastest-growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina. We will see you on Friday.